right, church, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. A uh, couple things. One, I set my timer and I let on my phone and I left my phone in the back. You're welcome. Which isn't going to go over well at home because Carmen's volunteering in the children's ministry. So, uh, so <laughs> here's the thing. At about 10.31, that thing's going to go off in the back, and I'm going to either be done and turn it off, or it's just going to go off while I'm preaching. Everybody okay with that? All right. So a few weeks ago, uh, I had the privilege of going up to Missouri uh, for the funeral of Joe's father. Uh, Joe's dad passed away after a long, long life, faithful servant of God, went home to glory and few of us had a chance to go up and, and be a part of the, the service. And I've known Joe for, Joe for 40 years and known his mom and dad. And so one of the things I always enjoy when I go up is to get Joe's mom to tell me stories about Pastor Joe, right? I mean, listen, I knew his dad. His dad was quiet. He's told you about his dad. His dad didn't say much, uh, but he's uh, he's in glory waiting on his family. But Joe's here, and I, I needed a little bit of dirt so I could share it with you, right? So Joe's mom told me that Joe's the oldest, by the way, if you didn't know that. But when Joe was about three years old, his mom was pregnant and was ready to deliver. And the night that she went into labor with the second child, there was a terrible storm, knocked out all the electricity in Troy. Um, it was just Joe and his mom there. And so they called 911, but because the storm was so bad and the power was out, only one paramedic could get there. So when the paramedic showed up, the house was pitch black, right? There's a pregnant woman and a three-year-old in the house. And so the paramedic asked, Joe, can you hold the flashlight up, right, so I can see what I'm doing so we can get this baby delivered? And so Joe, at three years old, held this flashlight up to help the paramedic and after lots of Lots of trying. Eventually, Joe's mom gave birth to her second child. And Joe was holding the light, and the paramedic was working on the baby. And then eventually, the paramedic slapped the baby's bottom, and man, that baby began to cry. Eventually, he got the baby cleaned up and wrapped up and put on Joe's mom's stomach. And paramedic went over to Joe, and Joe was just, you know, three years old, wide-eyed, holding the flashlight. The paramedic asked him, he said, what'd you think about that? And without missing a beat, Joe looked right at him and said, listen, he shouldn't have crawled up there in the first place. Spank him again. <laughs> That's when Joe's mom knew she had a keeper, right? Yeah. He wasn't here last night, so I felt safe to tell it. And then he texted me last night that he'd watched it. I, listened, I was like, nah. Anyway. Turn your Bibles to Acts 17. If you're online this morning, hey, welcome. We're so glad you're here and a part of our uh, part of our service this morning. Uh, we're walking through the Book of Acts. This is our last our last uh, weekend in this series. As we go through the Book of Acts, we'll be stepping in the last part of the Book of Acts starting next week. Joe will preach on uh, Thessalonica as we move forward. But I get a chance to preach about the Bereans. So, how many of you have adult children? Right? Aren't you grateful that they're, that they're grown up finally? Amen? Right? But it's funny, you know, you, you talk to people and people talk about, man, it's hard being the parent of an adult child, right? Or it's hard, they say this, it's hard parenting your adult children. 
Well, first of all, let me tell you, stop trying to parent your adult children. Okay. They hate that, right? But it, but it is hard to let go, isn't it? It's a difficult thing, right? So my son, Japheth lives up in Belleville, Illinois, right across the river from St. Louis. And Talked to him this week, and Japheth and Brittany have had their first baby, and Japheth and Brittany were the kind of parents that looked at other parents and thought other parents did everything wrong. You know those people, right? They read the books, they watched the videos, and they knew that everything that we did was wrong, and the way that they were going to do it was right. So they've had their baby, and they've spent the first six months apologizing to everybody they know, right? Because they had no idea, right? So Adeline's about six, and he FaceTimes us. And... It's been a rough week. So Jabba tested positive for COVID on Tuesday. And on Wednesday, uh, on Wednesday, Adeline got sick. And by Thursday, Brittany had begun to get sick. Oh, and by the way, the air conditioner quit working in their house. And nobody will come fix it because they both got COVID. And their kitchen sink is plugged up and it's retaining water. It's been a rough week for them. And sometimes as a parent, I don't know if you ever feel this way, but they live a thousand miles away. And sometimes it's a struggle for me, right? Not that I could fix his air conditioner because I couldn't, right? But sometimes it's a struggle for me to let go and realize that sometimes there's just things as they get older, they have to learn to do on their own. Does anybody, parent of an adult child, anybody ever struggle with that? Okay, six of us. We'll start a support group, right? Can't imagine how bad the rest of your children were that you don't have any problem with that, right? But I struggle with that once in a while, right? I struggle with the idea that, that hey, listen, once you get to a certain place as an adult, you've got to learn to do certain things on your own. That's exactly what I think happens here in Berea as Paul makes his way out of Thessalonica. Remember, he was, he was, he was secreted out of town because the Thessalonian Jews were trying to get him killed, right? And Berea is a town about 50 miles southwest of Southwest of Thessalonica. It's off the beaten path. It's not on Ignatius Way. It's not on the main thoroughfare. They basically sneak Paul out in the middle of the night to this off the beaten path kind of place, right? And Paul shows up in Berea. And here's, here's a couple things that we learn from the Bereans. We learn, right, that the Bereans understood something that I want to encourage all of you online and here today. When it comes to your faith, Especially when it comes to the part of your faith regarding the word of God. There are just some things you've got to learn to do on your own. Right? And that's what I want to, what I want to teach or preach about this morning. So if you don't mind standing out of respect for God's word, we're going to read six verses that talks about Paul's time in Berea. Acts 17, starting at verse 10 says this. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. The Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with all or with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, they went there too agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. 
The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left him or left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. You guys can be seated. Just six verses. That's it. That's Paul's entire story of his time in Berea. But I do think that he teaches you and me, right, that it's incredibly important that we understand when it comes to certain aspects of our faith, there's just some things you're going to have to learn to do on your own. And here's why I say that. Let's talk, let's talk about this. First thing the Bible says about these Bereans is that they were more noble. Right? The Greek word for, for noble, right, in its original meaning simply meant of high birth. Right? Originally the word referred to a class of people that were born of a higher rank than the majority of people. Because of the person's standing, because of their education, because of their wealth, right? This word meant people who were of high birth. But over time, the word began to mean something else. And the common usage of the Greek language, that word began to mean open-minded. Everybody say open-minded. You ever met a narrow-minded person? Yeah, yeah. Some of you wake up every day next to that person, don't you? All right. It's no fun. It's no fun being around narrow-minded people, right? Because what we know about about life in general is is that if you're not open-minded, right, about certain things, it's going to be hard to do certain things. When I came to Florida 12 years ago, I had a very simple Midwest palate. I liked meat and I liked sweet. That was it. Right, And when it came to meat, I liked three things. Beef, chicken, and pork. That was it. Right, Like, I didn't like vegetables. <sighs> didn't understand the point of a garden. Just a waste of good space, right? I never, I didn't like any, I didn't like fish. I didn't like any of that stuff. And so when I got here, one of the first things that happened was one of the elders here took us out to eat. And the first thing he did was order ahi tuna. And he said, you got to try this. And I said, no, I don't. (laughs) Like, no way I'm putting raw tuna in my mouth. Like, that's not going to happen. Shortly after that, another couple from the church took us to River Grill. And they said, have you had gator bites? And I said, do I look uneducated? (laughs) Like, Like, you want me to eat meat off the tail? And listen, it's cute when you say gator bites, but let's call it what it is. It's an alligator tail. So the answer to that is, no, I haven't tried them, nor do I intend on trying them, right? So I got mocked for my narrow-minded view of food. I don't know what happened, but at some point in time, my palate changed, and now I'll eat just about anything. Or at least, at least I'll try it. I've eaten snails. I've eaten meat in Africa that I have no idea what it was called. I've eaten bone marrow, right? I mean, there's nothing I won't try at this point in time. I mean, there was a restaurant in St. Louis that served calf brain sandwiches, and I went there to get a sandwich, and they were closed. I was so disappointed, right? Like, I love beef tongue taco. These are things I would have never tried, all because you go from being narrow-minded to being open-minded. And the Bible says this about the Bereans. They were more noble. Their character was more noble, meaning they were a lot more open-minded than the Thessalonians were. 
Why is that important to you in 2022? Let's read a couple of scriptures. Second Corinthians chapter three says this, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his, into his holiness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Let's read another passage. Read Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices that are holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Listen to verse 2. Don't conform. Don't take on the pattern. Don't look like the world any longer. But be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, why is being of a a more noble character and being open-minded important to you and to you in 2022? Because God's in the business of changing us on a regular basis. You see, when you get to the root of the word noble, here's what you find out. It's made up of two Greek words. The little word at the beginning basically means better. And the second word means to change. It's a word used to describe turning sick people well in the gospel. It's a word used to describe turning water into wine. And it's the word used to describe the word became flesh. You see, here's the thing about nobility. It's not just being open-minded. It's being open-minded because you want to get better. You want to change. You want to move. The word actually has the connotation of movement and motion and change. You see, I've been a believer. I've been a believer for 40 years. I've been in ministry for 30 years. And there are people that I know who come to church religiously and yet never, ever change. They never change. Listen, the reality is this. That's a problem for you and for me if that's the attitude we have. Why? Because God's in the business of changing us. God's desire is that if you know Jesus, you're reflecting my son's glory. And my goal is to get you to reflect it more and more and more as the seasons progress. If you're not willing to change with God, it's going to be a spiritual fight for you. The Bible says we should be transformed. We should be changed. Right? The idea of transformation is that what's on the inside eventually is reflected on the outside. Presentation matters for a Christian. If what's inside can't be interpreted by what's on the outside, it doesn't matter what's on the inside because it gets missed. The problem is too many of us don't want to change. You see, the word nobility isn't about just, just about being open-minded. No, it suggests something deeper. It suggests That I want to get better. I want to change. I want to see movement. I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to tell the people around me, listen, if you love me, you'll accept me for who I am. No, it's about understanding that as you grow, you change. And you don't change for the worse, you get better. Right? You work at getting better. What made the Bereans stand out is they weren't just open-minded They wanted to get better. Listen to what 2 Timothy 3 says about the word of God. It says this, all scripture, God breathed. Listen to what it's useful for. This book that I have, that some of you have, that you have on your iPhones, right? Says all scripture is God breathed and it's useful to teach us, to rebuke us, to correct us, and to train us 
in righteousness. Does that sound like something that's interested in you staying stagnant, status quo? No, man, the word of God is designed to change us. It's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces even to the dividing of joint and marrow and soul and spirit. God's word is interested in changing you and changing me. But without a noble character, a character that says, I want to get better. It don't matter how great the church service is. It doesn't matter how amazing your small group is. It won't matter where you serve on the campus or if you travel all over the world to serve Jesus. If you're not willing to have a noble character, one that says, I want to get better, all of that stuff's going to be for naught. You'll just be the same person eventually that you are right now. And that doesn't make us noble. And that's what made the Bereans stick out. Does that make sense to you, church? Bible also says this about the Bereans. It says that they received it with readiness. They received it with all readiness. I've got a three and a half year old grandchild and I love him. I love him, but he's a three and a half year old boy. Remember those people? How they ever get to be adults is beyond my comprehension. They are stubborn. Listen, and if you had a three and a half year old boy that wasn't that way, thank you for showing up and being so priceless to all of us. The rest of us who had three and a half year old boys in our life understood that three and a half year old boys are stubborn. They are obstinate. They are rambunctious, adventurous. They have no fear and apparently have no understanding of what punishment is, right? Owen is just that kid, right? And there's times he gets upset, right? He gets upset. He gets freaked out. He's three and a half years old. And so he gets freaked out. And here's what never happens, right? When we try to calm him down, this never happens. Like when he's freaking out, I as grandpa or pop pop or who he loves, I never go up to my grandson and say, listen, hey, buddy, it's okay. Listen, let's go into the kitchen and get some spinach. It'll be okay. Never happens. I never go to my grandson who's freaking out and say to him, Hey, 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 it's okay. Let's just go out in the yard and pick up sticks. It'll be fine. Never. You know what I say? I say, Hey, buddy, it's okay. Listen, let's go to the kitchen and get some ice cream. Right? That's what I say. Or, Hey, listen, calm down. It's okay. If you want to, we'll get in the car and go to Walmart and buy you a toy. Right? Because we don't, listen, you don't offer your kids at that level something to calm them down that they have no interest in receiving. Can I get an amen? The Greek word here for receive is just that. You see, this Greek word, every time it's used, which is 16 times in the New Testament, every single time this word is used, it's used in what the Greeks called the middle voice. And here's what that means. The middle voice suggests, I want what you're going to give me. I'm going to receive it, take hold of it, because what you have is going to benefit me every single time. You see, the Bereans weren't just more noble because they were willing to grow. They also received the word with readiness, meaning they understood that what Paul was going to give them was going to benefit them. And just like my three and a half year old grandson to ice cream, that's exactly how the Bereans went to the word of God. Man, if only we were more like that. 
I read something this week that just is absolutely, it's just sort of penetrated my brain and I'm having a hard time getting out of it. I read, I read uh, an article and it said in there, it talked about this and it talked about this. He said, do you have any idea how much time and energy you and I give to taking in non-inspired material? Right? We read in 2 Timothy 3, God's word, all of God's word, right, is inspired. Somebody say amen. Right? It's God breathed. Right? It is an inspired. He said, do you have any idea how much time you and I spend every week taking in non-inspired information? Through books we read and articles we watch and new shows we take in, right? TV shows we watch, movies we consume, video games we play. Do you have any idea how much non-inspired information we take in every week? Now put that against the amount of time you give to God's inspired word and ask yourself, are you ready to receive God's word with all readiness? Do you have the attitude of my three and a half year old grandson that says, oh, I'm calm down, we're getting ice cream. You see, I think this is one of those cases where this is something you're going to have to do on your own, right? And listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not just a pastor. I'm a lover of God's word. Man, St. Louis Christian College did not, I'll be honest with you, did not and probably could not prepare us for ministry in 2022. No idea we'd be dealing with some of the things that we're dealing with in 2022 when we were in college in 1982. Not even possible. But I tell you the one thing that the Bible College did that has stuck with me for 40 years. It's taught me to love this book. It's taught me to love everything about it. And I'm never going to be the pastor that says this to you, ever. I'm never going to say to you, listen, if you just read one verse a day, then I don't want to put you out. And I don't want to scare you away. And I don't want to overwhelm you. And if you'll just read one verse a day, that's enough. I am never going to say that to you. Because if our readiness for God's word is so low that our, that our bar for taking in God's word is just one word. Man, we're missing the point. This is ice cream to a three and a half year old. This is so good for us. We should want to receive it with readiness. And the word readiness has the idea of before passion. It's the idea that I want this so much and I know it's going to benefit me so much that I'm already excited before it ever shows up. And yet, We have dummied down the intake of God's word to the point that we write a devotion that's a whole page long and we only put one verse in it because God knows that's more than most Christians could take in. That should not be the case, church. Listen, God's word is designed to grow us, to rebuke us, to teach us, to conform us to the image of Jesus because that's what God's doing in us. And yet, my question to me first and to you second is how much time? Because time is the great, is the great revealer of whether we believe God's word is something to be received with readiness. Right? The reality is this, that if you're not ready to receive it, you're not going to give it time. My son wouldn't give spinach the time of day. Because there's nothing in it that he would say benefits him. But ice cream? I think if I let him, he'd eat himself sick. Because he wants it that bad. I wonder if that's... The case for us. And listen, let me just read a couple of scriptures to emphasize this point of how important receiving is. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. Mark 10 and verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Now listen to this. 
And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Not these children. He's going to describe what about them belongs to the kingdom. He says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not what? There's the word, right? Anyone will not receive middle, remember, middle voice. They're doing it because they are, they're going to take it. They're going to receive it because it's going to benefit them. He says, anybody who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Picture my three and a half year old grandson receiving ice cream. He sees it. He's excited for it because he knows it's going to benefit him. And Jesus said, if that's not the way you're receiving the kingdom, you're never going to enter it. See, maybe that's the case for some of you in here today. Maybe that's the case for some of you watching online that you've just never, ever, ever received the kingdom like a little child. Listen, we're not going to leave today without giving you that opportunity. If you're online, it's really simple. There's a button there that says, I have decided. You push that button, Pastor John and his team are there to walk you through what it means to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus and how to, how to give your life over in faith to that. And if you're here today, right up here on the right side of the stage, there'll be a group of people do the same thing with you. But listen, let's talk about receiving. It's not just something to sort of use a funny illustration about my grandson about. It is absolutely crucial to entering the kingdom of heaven. But it's also crucial when it comes to the word of God. Listen to Luke chapter 8, verse 13. It says, those on the rock, he's talking about the parable of the sower here and the seeds that he sows is the word of God. And he says, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word of God, who receive, again, that word, the word of God with joy when they hear it. You see, receiving is also a prerequisite for getting the word of God into you. How about First Thessalonians chapter 2? In verse 13, it says this, also, we thank God continually because when you and I received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work. And those of you who believe, listen, receiving is a great, is a great characteristic to have when you're going to do this on your own, because listen, it's not just about the initial receiving of Jesus, man, it's absolutely essential. It's absolutely essential for you and I who already know Jesus. Listen, without that attitude, it's going to be hard for that to work in you. And James, James in chapter one, lays it out and describes exactly the difference. Look at James chapter one. James chapter one, verse 19 says this. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. My guess is at least one of you online are in here. That's what you came for. That's what God meant for you to hear, right? Everyone should be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to anger. Amen, right? He says, for man's anger... Man's anger doesn't bring about the righteous, the righteous life that God desires. Listen, you claim to be righteous all you want, but when you're angry and living out of anger, the life that you're producing isn't righteous at all, right? He says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word that's planted in you, which can save you. Why receiving God's word is so important? It can save you. But he goes on and says this. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. He goes on to say, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and doesn't do what it says, like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, 
And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man, he says, who looks intently into the perfect law, this word that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Like I never understood that verse when I was 20, when I was 25 years old. Because I didn't understand why anybody wouldn't constantly look at the mirror and see how they looked. Right? When you're 25, I was vain. I wanted to constantly check. I'm 58 years old. I looked at the mirror probably three hours ago and have completely forgot what I look like. Sometimes I sit up here in front of you and hope that my hair looks okay, that I don't have a big smear on my face, because I never look in the mirror again. I will literally go the rest of the day and not look in the mirror one time. He says that's exactly how a lot of us do the Word of God. We don't receive it. We're not eager to get it because we think it'll benefit us, but we'll listen to it, but we won't do what it says. I'm reminded every week as a pastor here, how many people come to church and listen to the word of God, and yet in their stories, they won't apply it. Did you hear what he said? When you become a person that looks intently at this word, right, and do what it says, he says, James says, you'll be blessed in all that you do. You want to put counselors out of business? Do that. Take the word of God. Don't just listen. Do what it says. And all of a sudden, you'll be blessed in all that you do. I'm not saying God's going to give you a million dollars, but he's going to bless what you do. And guess what? You won't have a need for counseling anymore. You won't need to come in and tell me, oh. Because I can tell you, if you're a Christian, guarantee you, there's some part of the word that you're not practicing. Right? Receiving the word of God is hugely important to the Bereans. And man, it is just as important in 2022. Amen? Here's the last thing they did. They examined daily. They examined the word of God daily. One of the the parts of my job when I was a sheriff's deputy that I truly enjoyed. Not the outcome, but the process. One of the things I truly enjoyed as a sheriff's deputy was I got to be in court. And one of the things that happened in court was I got to sit through a lot of trials. And I love sitting through the trials because I love Love, love, love the idea of listening to the evidence and trying to figure out, right, guilty or not guilty. I love that part of it. Now, I didn't like when the verdict came in and I had to transport somebody to the jail and ultimately to the state prison. That wasn't any fun. But I did love the process of examining evidence to get to the truth, to the what Andy Stanley calls the irreducible minimum. The Bible says that's what the Bereans did. The Bereans examined. The word is used. It's a judicial judicial word. And what it means is it means to examine the evidence from top to bottom. It means you go through it. Right? And so let's be clear about something. If you're a believer, even if you're not a believer, God's word is more than capable of holding up to your scrutiny and examination. Somebody say amen. One of the things I love about Joe is, listen, no matter what your question is, It does not matter how hard you want to look at the word. He'll be willing to do that if you'll buy him a cup of coffee. Because here's the one thing that we know from our time at St. Louis and through our life. Listen, God's word, it's going to stand your scrutiny. It's going to stand my examination. And listen, here's the part I want to remind you of. And why is this important in 2022? Because people are saying things that the Bible are, that the Bible's saying that are simply not true. 
And there are too many Christian people in churches today that are buying what other people are saying that God is like and what God's okay with. And here's what I know. If you're not examining the scriptures daily, how are you going to know if that's true or not? Right? I mean, listen, there's all kinds of issues in our world today. And I'm not, I'm not here to point those out because that's not the point of what God's given me to preach today. But this part is, listen, there are preachers in pulpits today. Listen, you've read, we, we've told you the articles. You can find them online yourself. There are, there are a growing number of preachers in churches today that don't even believe that this book is infallible or inspired. And they're preaching what God is like and not believing it. And lots of people are buying it too. You want to know why? Because it sounds good. Paul said there's going to come a time when people are going to hire preachers and gather them around them to tell them what tickles their ears. It's happening. Man, God's love, he can accept. He'll accept anything. Like, we're just throwing the book out and we're just making up stuff. And too many people are following it. And here's why. We're not examining the scripture daily. For some of you, the next step in your progression is, listen, you're open-minded, you're willing to get better, you've received God's word because you know it's good for you, but you're not examining it. You, you examined it once 30 years ago and you're not examining it now. And now new issues are coming up and you're not, you're not studying it, you're not putting things up against it. As I was reminded by somebody in the hallway last night when I got done preaching, why examination is important. How are you going to know whether it's true or not if you don't know what this says? And I thought, you know what? I'm not leaving today without telling you that. Listen, you've got to examine the Bible to know whether it's true or not. Listen, I want to read a couple passages to you here. I skip, um, do 1 Corinthians 2 there, David. 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says this. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. But not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. He says, no, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that's been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time, time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Go on down to verse 10. But God has revealed, listen to this, God's revealed it to us by his what? The spirit, that spirit that God, listen, this book is revealed to you through the spirit, your spirit, natural spirit, your spirit as a man or as a woman will not understand this book. The book will become understandable to us because God's spirit reveals it to us, right? He says this, that spirit, listen to this, but God's revealed to us the spirit, the spirit searches what? All things, even the deep things of God. Right? For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? Right? Mankind. Right? Man or woman. And nobody knows what you're thinking other than your own spirit. Right? In the same way, listen to this, no one knows the thoughts of God except the what? The spirit of God. We've not received the spirit of the world, but we've received the spirit who's from God. Why? So that we may understand what God has really given us. We're wasting such a great gift when they're not examining the scripture. God's desire is to teach us. God's desire is to let you understand what this book means. What these stories mean. What these principles mean. He's not given it to you to make it difficult. He's given it to you because in this book are the words of life. 
And it circles all the way back around. Why is that important? Because God wants you to change. He wants you to reflect the glory of Jesus more and more and more. And the good news is if you're a believer, the spirit of God that searches all things of God and all things of man, lets you understand this book in a way that nothing else can. What a waste that we've been given such a gift that we don't use if we're not examining the scriptures on a day-to-day basis. Listen, I think the Bereans have a lot to teach us in 2022. I think they're incredible people. So last week I was, um, I'm going to use the word blessed. My wife's family came to visit for the first time in lots of years. Her mom, her brother, her brother's girlfriend, her brother's six-year-old kid, her cousin, and her six-year-old kid. And all six of them came to stay with us in our apartment. We had a great time. We did. We had a great time. And last Saturday, we were blessed that they came to church with us. And our my wife's nephew and my wife's cousin's kid, six years old, went back into children's ministry. And my three-and-a-half-year-old grandson went back there, too. And I don't know if how many of you put your kids back there last weekend, but they were giving away these things. Anybody see those in their houses? Right? This... Elephant, mouse, whatever it is, right? Koala bear, thank you. Somebody asked me last night, somebody asked me last night, what is that thing, a mouse? And I said, no, it's an elephant. Koala bear. That koala bear turned out to really be a really big deal in my house. So we went to supper after church. And my three-year-old grandson went home, was tired, didn't feel well. The two boys, six-year-old, played with these things, right? So I got up the next morning. We had to take them to the airport. They got all their stuff packed, got their bag they got from children's ministry, put it in their suitcase. And on the way to the airport, right, my wife's cousin's child, Deacon, who's six, thought he couldn't find his elephant slash koala bear, right? And so he began to freak out about it. Right? He was, he was sick about it. And everybody kept telling him, no, it's in your bag, it's in your bag, it's in your bag, it's in your bag. He wasn't buying it. But eventually the guy calmed down, got him on the airplane and got him home. They weren't home very long and Carmen's cousin called. My grandson had taken his koala bear and ripped the ears off. <laughs> had torn them both off. And so he had, a, he had a koala bear with no ears. That was the koala bear that was in Deacon's bag. And he made it, he made it abundantly clear to his mom. That was not his koala bear. <clears throat> he wanted the one that was his that had both of its ears on it. This is when it comes to, when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to this book. My prayer for me and my prayer for you is that we'll be a lot more like Deacon. That we'll understand what is ours, what God has given to us. And we'll do whatever it takes. We'll throw a fit. We'll never stop searching. We'll do whatever it takes to make sure that we get what God intended to give us. Let's pray, church.
Oh, Father, I'm so grateful for these folks. I'm grateful for their kindness. I'm grateful for their patience and their grace. And Father, my prayer is, is that these, that all of us here, all of us online, will take to heart what made the Bereans stand out. There are just some things in our faith we've got to do on our own. We've got to stand on our own when it comes to being open-minded and willing to grow. We've got to stand on our own when it comes to receiving what good things you have for us. With the attitude that, hey, this is going to benefit me. And ultimately, we've got to be people that are willing to examine, to test it, to search the evidence. So, Father, again, my prayers for anybody watching online, anybody in here that's never, ever accepted Jesus, never received him. Lord, may your spirit do the work of convicting, and may, may those who are convicted do the work of surrendering. And, Father, for those of us who know Jesus and accepted him, I pray for that conviction to drive us to be more Berean-like. Take in the word in the right way because we understand what it means to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.